Praise the Lord. How many drank from that water? So you know about it firsthand then, don't you? Amen. Thank God. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 11. <clears throat> Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourish. Whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth, there will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell, and at our gates all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, O my beloved. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for service thus far, singing, prayers, worship. Praise has been given to your name. Lord Jesus, now we enter into this portion of the service, the preaching of the word. I pray that you would help us, help me, Lord, to be able to get out of the way and help the people to be able to lay aside their worries or troubles or things they're going through, to be able to hear from you. As we know, your word is able to come and bring healing and strength and deliverance and everything that we have need of. So we commit it to you today, Father. We look to you for the outcome of the day to be that which is pleasing to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I have been sent today to be your tour guide to help you get a little view of the place you're going to spend your honeymoon. It is a grand place that you're about to see. Few mortals in earth's existence and in time have ever had a full comprehension of the tour you're about to take. It will cover many spans of miles. If I would take you back far enough, I would be able to take you to the corridor of eternity and be able to help you to see how it unfolded from the beginning. You are a privileged people today. I understand that your tickets were paid for already. Hallelujah. I understand that you have a special invitation from the king himself to be able to tour this land. You see, this land is not for everyone. It is not a land that everyone would actually enjoy if they were there. So it is for those who have been called before the foundation of the world and those heathens which will be raised in the last day to be able to give them the opportunity to make their choice. I understand for some of you that was here last night that you were in the, in the tour that we took last night. So we will resume a little bit of that tour today so the rest of you won't be totally lost. Because there's no way that we can go back and cover it all. We will start on the Israeli supremacy that God will give to the children of Israel in the millennium by which divine sovereignty had chose them from the very own choice of God. Their father, Abram, we know, started out as a Gentile. He was a heathen. His father sold gods and made gods in a God shop. And Abraham worked in that God shop till one day he found the real God and he quit shopping. So... Aren't you glad you've done the same thing? 
We know that God's grace had been given to Abraham, to his son Isaac, to the son Jacob, and so on and so on. And we know through many, many hundreds of years that God had promised to them that they would get the land called Palestine or the land of Israel. It was inhabited by seven different major tribes or nationalities of people that had reached a place of very great sin. Very great debauchery and filth that was going on. And God said, I'll drive them out and I will give the land to you. Those of you, of course, have read a little bit about this tour beforehand. You know, actually, when the ark landed on Mount Ararat and the seed of God came forth and went in a certain direction, that actually they inherited that land initially in the first place, and it was taken away from them by these tribes. So actually, God was simply restoring what was given back to them from the original landing of the ark on the other side. Praise the Lord. But God, we know, remembers all of his promises, and he keeps his promises. And the church said, God, when he says something, he's got the power, and he's got the ability to be able to bring that promise to pass. So God had begun dealing with this man and told him that he would give him all of this land. And we know that by looking at it in history and the scripture, that none of the kings of Israel actually ever fully inherited the complete boundary of the land from the river Nile over unto the great uh, great part where it would end up in Iraq, the river Euphrates. But yet they came very close in the antitype which was given to King Solomon. Under the reign of King Solomon, who have a little bit of a prefigure of this land that we're going to read about today, and that was that it was a king by which God had given great favor in the eyes of many other people. Part of them were Gentiles. Part of them, of course, were people that didn't really respect Israel at all. But God moved upon their hearts. So we're able to get a little bit of a glimpse of our tour today if we read Kings and we read about the life of Solomon and see how that God was able to do that. But yet, it was only a type. And in types, you never get the full picture or the view of what God has in mind. God has reserved for you today as his special guest that you will not only just see types, but you will see the antitype. You will see the shadow fulfilled. You will see the reality made manifest with your very own eyes, which have been changed from mortal to a glorified state. Are you excited about the tour? Now, as we look into the very plan of God, it might seem odd to some people that God would pick out a certain nation or a certain people and would give them a supremacy over others. But we know that God being God, He can do actually whatever He wants. Since no man has any claim or any hold on God or no uh, tribe, no nation, no nationality can make any demands of God whatsoever. He can give mercy to whom He will. He can turn down mercy to whom He will. He can give illumination, light. He can do whatever He wants since no man actually has any tie on Him whatsoever. You believe that? So this is what God actually did. And before he ever laid this beautiful land out, he made up his program in his mind. We know that he dwelt alone in the realm of eternity, for he was the eternal. But yet he had these thoughts which he later identified as attributes. These attributes were actually part of his own substance, unlike our thoughts that later become tangible and they change and we have different thoughts about different things. He's never had one new thought about any. Thing. 
But he is the eternal. So he purposed within himself that he wanted to be able to be identified beyond what he was. And that was that his being was invisible. And yet whenever he become visible, it was not visible to a natural eye. It was more light. It was fire. It was a luminous something that the human eye would never be able to process. So he condensed sin in the first form of creation. And that was in the beginning was the word. So then the eternal come into a form which could be seen. And that we know was what he called the Logos. It was a further extension of himself, but that which would become tangible with atoms and molecules and light and something you could touch and something that you could feel. Because without that, it would blind even the elected. So then he purposed within himself that he would reveal himself in a manner of elements. So he began to create. And he said, let there be, and let there be, and let there be. I mean, oh, in Genesis chapter 1, that whenever God said, had Moses put him back in the cleft of the rock, and Moses began to write, and he said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now there he says, heaven. We know, of course, in chapter 4, that he unveils to us that there was actually generations of the heavens, and there were generations of the earth. Which means to us, that the heavens were unfolded as it would be from a father to a son to a grandson to a great-grandson to a great-great-grandson. So God began to expand His creation and He poured out of His own love. Now this is what He's doing, of course, that He's heading toward a goal. And that is that He Himself could become tangible one day. So the generations of the heavens begin to expand. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then we move to verse 2. And the earth was without form. Tohu is the Hebrew word which means vain and empty and void and dark. And there was nothing there. So the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, which is Ruach Elohim, moved upon the face of the deep. And God began to brood and bring something into a realm that humans would be able to see. Now, we know as we looked at it before that there was something that happened in between verse 1 and verse 2. And that was that the earth experienced a great climatic change. That something moved upon the earth. And we know from the scars in the earth that there is many, many changes that the earth has been through. And yet God, you know, whenever God purposes to do something, nothing is going to change him. Absolutely nothing. Now, we don't know exactly when it was, but we know that the angels actually fell before the foundation of the world. And Satan, of course, walked up and down the earth when it was in its volcanic state, whenever God was actually allowing the volcanoes to spew and allowing the hot lava to run out in the oceans. And the way that Peter describes it, it was that there was the earth that was in the water and out of the water. He actually goes into the expanse of what God had done when Moses picks it up in Genesis and he said, let there be a firmament 
and the heavens. Let there be an expanse which will divide the waters from the waters. And the word firmament is an expanse. So it was as if though there was something that was going to be necessary in order to place up in the heavens. It would be invisible that the human eye would look right at it and actually never even know it was there. It would be many, many millennia thereafter that man would break into the laboratory of God and he'd be able to see that there was stratosphere, hemisphere, there was oxygen, carbon dioxide, there was all kinds of things that God had put there. They'd been there ever since the creation of the world, but yet man never knew how to break into it. So it was what God identified as the firmament. The firmament would separate the bodies of water. It would be able to divide them and make the earth a habitable zone. Had it not been that way, then the earth would have remained what it was, covered totally in water. But yet he had this great plan in his mind of what he wanted to be able to unveil. I'm glad we're part of it today. Now, whenever he did this, he knew that there would be many, many millennia. There would be billions of people that would live upon this this place he called earth. There would be many of them that would be nothing but creatures of time. They would come, they would live their life, they would do whatever they thought was fun in life, whatever satisfied, and they would absolutely be destroyed and annihilated. But in order to have someone in every age, he predestinated that there would be a people in every age and he allowed that those people would actually become the thoughts that he thought about them before the foundation of the world was ever laid. Amen. Now, in doing that, he knows that he must do it in a just way because he is, of course, just. And he must allow these people the opportunity, even those that will be mortals and live on the earth, that if they want to be saved, that he is God and he will not stand there and say, no, you can't come in and you can't come in and you can't. But he will make a way by which if they want to be saved, they can be. So under the dispensation of grace, he would allow his ministers to be able to say, whosoever will, let them come and take of the water of life freely. But he also knew that there would be thousands times thousands, millions that would never be able to hear that because once the earth fell, then the continents which at one time were all one continent on the earth, one gigantic landmass, and whenever apparently in the time frame, maybe somewhere after the flood, after the animals had come back down and for a while, after they begin to expand on the earth and multiply, and then the animals go from one part of the earth originating from Ararat to the other and they settle on out through there and the continents begin to divide. So the continents split apart and they go toward the north, the south, the east and the west because these animals didn't have boats of course they couldn't get there on their own, they couldn't swim so God in his great wisdom knowing now that this is all important because you'll see this same division going on down in different times, God knowing that the earth would be repopulated again So God knew in order to keep his people away from the rest of the people, he must divide things and separate things and put boundaries between them. And he allowed it to be that way. Of course, we know he did that also with Babel whenever they designed a great tower to build it up into heaven. So God came down to see what it was all about. Well, God designed again another division by which humanity would not be able to all get together and defeat the program of God. So God come down one day and here I was all 
all these people speaking the same language and he decided, nope, no more. So these people started speaking Hebrew. These people over here started speaking French. These people started speaking English and these Aramaic. Aramaic. All these years they had been together and all spoke the same language. So God divided their tongues. Now you imagine that you had spoke Greek or one of the original Hebrew was, probably the original language was Hebrew. So you spoke Hebrew all of your life and yet supernaturally God comes down and he begins to move on this mass of people and they speak Greek and all of a sudden they're talking this language what they have never learned and they don't know anything about it but not only are they speaking it but in their mind they're able to hear while the next man, the next woman, the next boy, the next girl as they're speaking it and they're saying what in the world? I've never spoke this language before and then these other people over here they're speaking Spanish and they're just going 90 miles an hour speaking Spanish and their mind they're, they're comprehending Spanish words their tongue is actually twisting around in their mouth in order to produce the Spanish syllables and these others are speaking French and these others are speaking all these languages and what's God doing? God is dividing so that he can separate his people by the language barriers God always wanted his people to be separate from the world let me just let you in in case you don't know it. He wants the same thing today. That's right. Now, whenever he decided to do this, of course, in dividing the land masses and making it where it was, he knew that it would create great difficulties. God knew when the gospel came that the diversity of language would make it so much more difficult in order to spread the gospel. But to him, it was absolutely essential. Same with the land masses when the land masses were spread out, of course, into the seven continents. God knew exactly that it would make travel so much more difficult. It would make the coverage of the the land mass absolutely more difficult but to him it was all part of the great master plan now in the tribulation period there will be things that will start moving toward the cycle of the return of the old Sabbath and that is that earthquakes and volcanoes and all kinds of earthly disturbances on the earth will start moving toward the cycle of the millennium because the millennium is not actually a new earth it is a phase of the renewed earth by atomic power. But under the sixth seal, it is a cleansing seal. And under that seal, there will be earthquakes, there will be volcanoes, there will be all kinds of things. It will be an interruption of nature. But the interruption of nature under the sixth seal is actually going to start moving the earth toward the cycle of the feast of tabernacles which is in the millennium. Y'all with me so far? Everybody understand everything I've said so far? <laughs> now whenever God wanted to do this, of course he knew that there must be opposition. So he done created this being which he called Daystar. Lucifer called him different names. He had given him a position in heaven. He was in charge of the music department. Of course we know thy pops and thy tablets which was the musical instruments. Also whenever we read it further in Ezekiel whenever they saw him as a man and they again referred to these musical instruments because now he's cast down into hell by a chain of circumstance and he seemed to lost his song. Well that's good. He seemed to lost his song. He's no more happy because he's held captive down there with all the rest of his demons. 
Now God knew that there must be under the law of contrast, you've got to have darkness and light, you've got to have health, and you've got to have sickness. Under the law of contrast, it takes all of this to make it work. Even in the millennium, the law of contrast will be working to a degree, but it will cease to exist in the eighth day, which is of course the finale when it all comes back to the eternal. Until that time, God will be working in seven major dispensations. In those seven, there will be breakdowns by which God will also deal in dispensations of grace and mercy. And we know that this is where we are right now. I believe we're really close at hand myself. To see that the great tribulation is about to break forth and to see that the rapture, of course, must take place before that and to see also the judgment must come upon the earth and then the, the dawning of the millennium, which will be the rebirth of the seventh morning. In that is where that we like to resort to today if we could and see that it is going to be maybe more earthly than what you and I have thought. It will be truly of a heavenly nature, but it will actually be emerging together of heaven and earth on this place that God termed himself when he gave her her name in the book of Genesis when he called her earth. Now God is the one who actually gave this planet her name. God spoke her name and God created the heaven and the earth. He could have called it whatever he wanted, but he called it earth. So in the expanse of the earth and God made her, of course, and she would stand out. At that time, she was standing up on the original tilt of her axis. She was now tilted 23 degrees as she is now. Uh, temperature the same in all the way around, all the things that God did. But he made this variance of degree in the earth, knowing that when the fall would come, the earth would be able to tilt this much on her axis and still be able to function and operate. He's able to do such things. That's one thing I love about our Father. But he knew that it would only be temporary in time that the earth would stand this way. Now by doing this, barometric pressure would change on the earth, the water vapor above the earth. It would be able to tilt it in such a way that the spinning of the earth, 1,000 miles an hour, uh, spinning the way she does, that the storms would come. It would allow all of that change to be able to come upon the earth after the fall. And then even another change after the flood. Because when Adam fell, we don't find that there was as much change as it was and the antediluvian destruction whenever it come upon the earth, that it brought a major, major change. Maybe this is the time of the Jurassic period whenever we dig down and find all the skeletons of the dinosaurs and this and that. Who knows exactly what it was. But yet, there's been several different destructions that has been upon the earth. Jeremiah sees it. Jeremiah 23. Ezekiel sees the same thing. Isaiah sees the same thing. And yet, we know that God never made it to be that way. But God said that he made the earth with a purpose. And he made it to be inhabited. And God made it not from the portion of his mind which would allow it to be in time only that the earth would exist for a few thousand years or ten thousand whatever it was or a million and one day it would cease to exist but God made this earth to where it actually would have the ability to be transmitted from the eternal into the realm of time by substance matter light chemistry all these great things that would be in the earth and it would go through a very great great difficult time for thousands of years it would be under a dark hell dominion by Satan. But he knew that in the very core of the earth its foundation was that it come from the mind of God and God still holds the original title to the earth. 
So no matter how much sickness and disease and turmoil that Satan brings, it will go back into the hands of the owner. One day it will lodge right back up and stand back up again where it was. And once again, the Arctic and the Antarctic, all of the continents will landmass right back together the way they were. All the things by which God had desired to project in the Garden of Eden, it will be brought back the way it was. Of course, you know, in the Garden of Eden that there was four rivers and the way that they divided now they're hid some of them maybe underground whatever more but it will come right back to what God wanted it to be and then when we go and live out the seventh day then we'll move over into the eternal and then the landmass will take a total different look now the seven is the completion it brings it to the perfection and this is what we want to look at today by the help of the Lord but yet God knowing all of this is like, why don't he just hurry up and get past all this no that's not the way he thinks whenever he thinks the thought he must be able to carry that thought right on out until it is totally fulfilled and completed or set into the eternal session of that thought some thoughts of God are only in time you see we will not always need the blood we will not always need faith I think we will not always need faith one day our faith will give way to sight you won't need to have faith to say, well, I believe there's a God. I, I, I know there is. I, I really believe. Well, one day you won't need faith. You'll actually see him sitting right there on the throne. You will not need the blood. There's many things that we are experiencing in time that will only be able to be fulfilled in time. And when eternity rolls around, they will absolutely cease to exist. Same with many mortals that are nothing but creatures of time. They will have their existence in time. They will make their choice in time if they don't make the right choice in time one day they will cease to exist even if they you know God gives them the opportunity you want to be saved sure you can be saved but if you don't want to that's your choice and if they don't then they will absolutely be annihilated right but God has thoughts which are his thoughts part of his own essence now when we come from the very essence of the eternal we go to looking at things then which will not pass away now we'll change from dispensation to dispensation but he said I am God and I change not so his own utter essence of his being cannot alter cannot change it cannot deviate from what he is he can only change himself into a form by which man can be able to comprehend y'all with me this morning but yet God knowing now that in the, in the increments of time that there would be things that would be necessary which would not be needful and necessary in the eternal but the earth is not included in one of those things what about all the rest of the planets I really don't know I don't know if they'll all be there or not maybe if he thought about them in the eternal source of his mind they will be there if Mars is only a temporary thing one day Mars will cease to exist Pluto, all the rest of them. But if he wants them to be there and then let us tour them, once we get into a body which we will not be held like Apollo is to where they'd be able to go out, you know, and be so far if he wants to leave them there for decoration in the night sky and I just decide one day I want to go up into the belt of Orion and I just leave the earth and there I go and I'm back in 15 minutes and say, wow, what a place. Well, if that's what he wants to do, then so be it. Praise the Lord. I don't know. You say there's life in other planets? I don't have a clue. But there's this one thing I do know. We wind up with the king. So whatever else is out there, they can have whatever they've gotten, you know. But I know the earth gets the king. 
The earth gets the city. The earth gets the program of God. Now in that program involves many, many things. God, of course, thinking of man, thinking of himself becoming tangible, thinking of angelic beings, thinking of water, light, matter, time, science, thinking of so many things, and he decided to be able to bring in this full expression. When you look at the animals on the earth and the birds and the butterflies and all the things that God made, you say, why in the world would God make a little bitty old butterfly and that butterfly don't even have a mirror? You realize all the butterflies that have lived on the earth have never seen theirself. They don't even have a clue. Boy, if that's as vain as some of our sisters are, they'd never go anywhere, would they? They'd just sit around and look at themselves all the time. Oh, man, ain't I pretty. And his brother's about as bad anymore. But you know what? God never gave them, apparently, their beauty. So they themselves would become so exalted. But it was a testament to the glory of God. And yet when this life is over, as we say over, what do we do? In this blessed millennium by which God is helping us to see, in this land, it is not a land of angels, though angels will be there. It is not an angelic realm by which the angels will be the only thing that will be the focus. But the millennium is a continuation of this same life. We will live, we will eat, we will enjoy life, we will build, we will plant. We will not be tired. Nobody will be angry. Nobody will be upset. What is it? A continuation of this same life without Satan and his demons being there. There will be no hospitals. There will be no emergency rooms. There will be no shots needed. There will be no herbs that will be needed. Take your herbs. There will be no pharmacies. There will be no medication. Oh, praise God. And as I said last night, think of it. We could be three and a half years from this happening. When the rapture takes place and you're gone, the clock resumes of Daniel's last half of the 70th week. And it'll start ticking, 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 ticking. And Satan will have three and a half years. And while he's there, you and I will be enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb. All the elect from Adam to Jesus, from Jesus to the 144,000 will gather together, reverge upon the earth and take over. The surge of the power of God and the illumination of the light of the resurrected sun will strike the earth as it did on the dawn of the seventh morning thousands of years ago. The planet will start moving in the millennial body change. It will not now move, of course, into the eighth day by which many, many facial changes will be brought upon it, but the acceptable sanctified stage of the millennium. The earthquakes under the sixth seal will start setting in the cycle, the moving of the islands under the sixth seal. And it, of course, will consummate with our king standing upon the Mount of Olives. And when he does, the mountain will cleave in half. From there, the temple will be built. From there also, a 
according to what we've looked at already, the land of Israel, the topography of Israel will be changed. The hills all around there will be brought down low and become as the plain of Esdralon. They will become flattened because out of the temple from the north side will come forth the water of life. And the water of life will depart in two directions, one toward the east and one toward the west, one toward the Mediterranean, the other toward the Dead Sea, and the waters of the Dead Sea will be healed. It will usher in the time that God has longed for on the earth. Now remember the full presence of the Shekinah will not be made manifest fully until the eighth day. Yet the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah as it's called, Adonai Shammah, Adonai Jehovah Shammah, will be present upon the earth insomuch his presence will be so vibrant and so full in Jerusalem that Jerusalem's name will be changed to his name. Blessed be the Lord God. Adonai Shama. Jehovah Shama. The Lord is there. With the ushering in of this millennium, of course, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. The earth will go into a change and the temperature will begin to change. The weather patterns will be changed. The, all the hydrophonic valves and the heavens and all that that holds up all the land mass or the mass of the water, rather, the expanse that allows hurricanes, tornadoes, all that to come. Now remember, part of the need of the oceans in time was so that the temperature would be able to be varied by the ocean. And by that, the storms and the hurricanes would come off of the oceans. That's under the judgment of God on the earth. But it will be changed. Won't be no tornadoes in the millennium. Won't be no hurricanes. Won't be no snowstorms. Won't be no hailstorms. So there had to be a change in the way that God has allowed the barometric pressure to be able to surge. Also the moisturizing up from the ocean and so on. Oh, you say, where did you get all that? I don't just study theology. I study geology, paleontology. I study all kinds of ologies. I'm a tour guide. I got to know these things. <laughs> Can you imagine what a reprieve that it will be for the earth herself? She has been battered by these storms. She has had her coast beat for thousands of years by waves and torrents of water. She has had her landmass moved about by hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis. And she has no control of it. Because once her head fell, it throwed her into this place. Oh, glory. But she is longing. We don't hear it. But all creation is groaning and longing and waiting for the sons of God to come back to their place. Oh my, you're a lot quieter than the earth is today. I imagine the earth shouting while I'm preaching. You just can't hear, but she's saying, preach it, Donnie, preach it. Now you're talking about me, son. Tell me what's ahead for me. Hallelujah. Whether it becomes, no doubt, part of this change will be gradual. No doubt much of it will be instantaneous as the king sets up his throne. 
But we know that the houses, the temple, much of the society of God will come in in a progressive way. You're not going to build a city like this, a city temple, which is what it merges to be. That's almost a mile long on each side. It ain't going to go up overnight unless the king, of course, does it by spoken word. So you've got all of these great programs of God that will be unfolded in the millennium. There will be a society. There will be civilization. There will be education. Praise the Lord. It will be the God society. It will be the God education. Praise God. There will be no welfare. There will be no hungry children. There will be nobody starving. Everybody will have plenty to eat, plenty to drink. Fresh water will abound everywhere. There will be a limited, amen, a limited reduction of the curse which still remains upon the earth. And the earth will be allowed to go into the full productivity which the seventh day will be able to allow. Food will be so abundant, waters are said, air, there'll be no pollution. There'll be no honky-tonks. There won't be one bar in the millennium. Winston and Palmer will be plumb out of business. There won't be no old turkey or wild turkey or none of the rest of that stuff. There won't be none of that there nowhere. There won't be no honky-tonks. Every place where music is being played, it'll be the gospel. There won't be no country music. There won't be no rock and roll. There won't be no rap. Come on, children. There won't be no jazz. There won't be no soul. There won't be no R&B. It'll only be gospel, 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 gospel. Amen. It'll be about the mercy of God and the grace of God and the power of God and the resurrection. What means will he use by which to convey his laws from Jerusalem is kept a mystery. Everybody won't be able to receive thoughts directly from the mind of the Lamb if he thinks it and they have a receiving station. But there must be means by which the new laws and the new government will be operated. Now, when we look at the sons of God being positionally placed in Christ and our position here, it is our desire as sons and daughters of God, I believe, to carry out the economy. Hey, I ain't even got to my notes yet, but I'm going to follow this. Woo! So that's why you woke me up this morning at 4 o'clock, huh? Okay. I'm all right with this, sir. Anytime you want to, you got be brought in and it will be a restoration of Eden except it will be larger of course than Eden it will be the government of God brought down upon the earth less all of the sin of man it will be a civilization it will be a a social move among us but think about it our social walk and our walk of the spiritual walk will not be divided the way it is now 
As I said last night, many folks want that with God. They want their religious part and then their own personal things that they do separated from God. So they separate church from state. And they want to be able to do what they want to do and live any way they want to live. But they don't want to go to hell now. Don't get that in your mind because they don't want to be lost. So they want to be able to go. But God, actually in the Garden of Eden, God wanted it to be merged together. And the millennium will be that way. Holy Ghost filled saints are that way now. When they go on vacation, they don't leave Jesus at home. They take him with them. So they didn't do anything on vacation that they wouldn't do when they're at home because that's the way they are. They live a godly life whether they're in the Bahamas or in, in Tri-Cities. They don't get drunk here when they go on vacation. They don't vacate from God. I'm not sure what kind of gods you got, but if you go on vacation from God, you need a new God. I like to take my God with me on vacation if and when I get to go. I don't want to go anywhere that Jesus wouldn't feel welcome. I personally can't believe Jesus would feel welcome me getting him a stool beside mine at a bar. Now maybe y'all serve that kind of Jesus. My Jesus ain't a drunk. Well, praise the Lord. Yes, that's one reason I don't smoke, because I couldn't hand Jesus one. Anything I want to do, I want Jesus to feel comfortable and say, Lord Jesus, you like to drink with me? You like to smoke with me, Lord? You like to be able to lust after women with me, Lord? You like anything I do, I want Jesus to be able to feel comfortable being there when I do it. And if he wouldn't, guess what? Donnie ain't going to do it. Oh, you're made to do it. I'm not made to do it at all. I do it because I choose to be that way. Come on, saints. Well, glory. My, we left the heavens all of a sudden and got down here in the bar room. How'd that happen? Now, what's the type of people that will be there? In this, there will be uh, glorified human beings standing there upon the earth, millions of them, and they will stand and they will be the rulers, kings, and so on that will be given the delegated authority by God. As we looked at it before, Jesus will be the king, David will be the prince, vice regent as it was upon the earth. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all of those elect of God will have a position. And we will also be ushering in the kingdom that will have one time lived upon the earth in the garden of Eden had not the delay come but now it will be brought back again and resumed in the millennium and as God always has chose the people of Israel the children of Israel the tribes of Israel will be given a national supremacy in the millennium and those on the earth will have to acknowledge that and accept that so any Muslims that are saved will have to come that route. Well, praise the Lord. Now, Israel actually has always known by the divine promises of God that God would give them a supremacy. They experienced a little bit of that in the reign of Solomon, but we know that Solomon got away from the Lord, and then God later divided the kingdoms, of course, and separated them. But Israel been up and down and up and down and up and down through the centuries. And then after they denied the Lord Jesus, they went basically down and have stayed down. But yet they've always known that there should be a position that God allocated to them by the promise to their father. And actually what they're doing is longing for the millennium call, the same thing that some of the preachers in the message have preached manifested sons and preached we're going to do it now. It's the same thing for us. It's a millennium call. Yes, we're going to lay hands on the sick. Yes, we're going to do great works for God. But our greatest works will be under the leadership of our Lord Jesus in the millennium. That's where we will control the elements. Now remember the storms will be gone, but yet sons of God will be in such touch with the throne of 
of God and understanding how the new atmosphere works on the earth, they will actually call for rain. If the Egyptians don't come up, you know, to the Feast of Tabernacles and the land mass is gathered back together where they can travel, if they don't come up, then the sons of God go over and say, hey, you ain't getting no rain on your crops. Right? Well, they send an ambassador over to your house or whoever, wherever you live at. If you was the son of God to stop the rain and say, hey, we repent. We're sorry about that. We promise we'll go to church next Sunday. Hey, we're sorry. Would you come over and help us? Yeah, tell them I'll be right over there. Well, before the messenger gets there, you get there because you've got a glorified body and he ain't. He's still on a horse. So you get there and say, all right, I understand y'all repented. Yes, sir, we have. We're so sorry about that. All right. In the name of Yahweh. I call for rain on your crops. But there won't be one thunderhead. There won't be one streak of lightning or one rumble of thunder. But the sons of God will call and the barometric pressure will change and the hydrophonic valves in the skies will start opening up and the gentle rain will start drenching the crops of Egypt again. You can say what you want to. If I was an Egyptian, I'd be saying, wow, did I just see what I thought I saw? I saw a man, a glorified son of God. One moment my fields were so dry. Look at them now. And they're not running off. It's not flooded. The crops aren't ruined. It's this soft, gentle rain as if someone was controlling the valves. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Blessed are they that overcome. I will give them to rule with me over the nations. They will control the nations with a rod of iron. You think you've got something. Oh, if I could overcome this and that and the other. Friends, don't let this life get you down. God's got big plans for you in the future. Let's take it in this way. More than likely, there won't be newspapers, telegraphs, telephones, cell phones. Thank God. But whatever the means is for news to come from Jerusalem, maybe it's the sons as they carry it all over the new earth, the changed earth. And it comes from headquarters. News alert, fresh from the king of kings. He declares the death penalty is abolished. He declares no more sickness allowed in his kingdom. If you go to feeling a little bit funny, all you do is just reach over and grab a hold of them certain leaves I've got planted all over the expanse of the earth. And them leaves will calm your queasiness. Fresh news alert from headquarters. No one shall be caught making another weapon for a thousand years. There will be no tutorials on war. There will be no schooling on how to divorce your husband. Praise God. There 
will be no meetings of treachery allowed. The king says, all violence is over. The king says, the entire earth will be encompassed with peace. It's against the law to frown. <laughs> it's against the law to be sad. It's against the law to be depressed. That's my kind of kingdom, brother, sister. Oh, if you read today's, oh, oh, the king says, look at this straight from headquarters straight. The king says he wants everybody to be happy, cheerful, joyful, full bellies, drinking plenty of water, and enjoying your stay in this millennium resort. And the king would also like to remind each one of you, all expenses have already been prepaid. So anything that you need, charge it to your room. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Whatever you need, you need comfort, go to Jerusalem. The comforter's there. Lord have mercy. Where have we been? placing the nation of Israel in this superior position that God because of her restored righteousness under the name of Yahweh God will remove forever any humiliation she will never be ashamed again Isaiah 61 7 for your shame you shall have double. And for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land shall they possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I the Lord love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct their work in truth. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. Never again will the land of Israel be sown to the Amalekites or the Hittites. Notice Isaiah 62, 6, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest. That's what you need to do sometime and you're going through a whole lot of stuff. Wear God out. That's what that woman done to come to Jesus said, Lord, that she's troubling us, she's aggravating us. Jesus said, woman, get away from me. I'm not even sent to you. She said, that's right. That's exactly right. You're a dog. That's exactly right. I am a dog, but I still got a need and I ain't leaving them on your hands. Amen. You imagine God telling them, give me no rest till he establish, till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. 
Verse 8, the Lord has sworn by his right hand, by the arm of his strength, surely I will no more give thy corn. Amen. To be meat for thine enemies, and the sons of the stranger shall not drink thy wine, for that which thou hast labored, but they, amen, listen to this now, they that have gathered it shall eat it. And praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. The wealthy, glorious, righteous supremacy given to them in the seventh day will carry over into the eighth. You see, some things end in the millennium. Not their position. Nor will yours. Isaiah 60, 16, Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles, and shalt suck the breast of kings, and thou shalt know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior, and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood, brass, and for stones, iron. I will also make thy officers peace, and thine exactors righteousness. One thing I forgot to mention, it won't be in heaven, the IRS. No DNC. Or no GOP. No politics. No White House. No Congress. No Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will be one supreme being sitting on a supreme throne in Jerusalem. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land. Wasting or destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more thy light by day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light and thy God thy glory. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Thy people also shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it. In his time. Can you imagine millions of people living on the earth at the same time? No one, no one is depressed. No Prozac, no Loratabs, no Pepto-Bismol, no Xanax, no Tylenol. Praise the Lord, and no sleepless nights. Glory to God. And the king personally will minister comfort to his people. Isaiah 12, 1, and in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou 
wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and be not afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song and has also become my salvation. Isaiah 51.3 For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Friends, let me tell you something. We ain't never even heard singing like we're going to hear it there. My, we got some good singers in our church and they some good singers in the world. You know, I, 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 I just think, how in the world is it going to be? But can you imagine the voices of melody as they sing under a, diff, a different dispensation altogether and the songs that are written are millennium tone, millennium tune, millennium vernacular? Praise be to God. Can you imagine the songs and the music and the choirs and all the singing everywhere you go in the garden of the paradise of God there will be songs and worship and thanksgiving and cheerfulness and joy and happiness and no, nobody's taking anything. You won't have to sneak up behind the wall of Jerusalem. Won't be no snorting or sneezing. And no more sweat. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Isaiah 66, 13. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. And you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Where are you going? Jerusalem. What for? I just want to be loved on a little bit by Jesus. You mean he's got time for you? He's got time for every one of us. Remember, got a thousand years. <laughs> he's got, you know, he's going to be ministering personal. All a lot of these things that's going to take place. His sons is going to take care of some of this other stuff on our honeymoon. As I said when I began this, there has never been a honeymoon that lasted a thousand years. Some of you might have went to the Bahamas on yours. Some of you might have went to Gatlinburg. Some of you might have been like me and Carol. You didn't have one. But there has never been one like this. No matter where you went, or you was in the beautiful white sands of the beaches of the Bahamas, but was you on the other side of the mountain to see them poor people living over there in a third world country? Come on. There will be no third world settings in the millennium. There will not be facades as I have seen in different portions of the world that I have been to to where they want to make the outside world with the media make it look a certain, certain thing. And then you go down the narrow streets and go off the beaten path and you find people living absolutely terrible. There is no such a thing in the millennium. There will be no third rate people. There will be no racial discrimination. There will be no black sections in the millennium. There will be no American Indian section in the millennium. And they can't have this and can't have that. No, it makes no difference what color you are. It makes no difference what race you are. We will all stand before him. Hallelujah. On the same plateau by the grace of God. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you, we're finished. I stand. <laughs> you say, why do you do us that way? I want you coming back. I want you coming back with expectation. I could preach another hour. Believe me, we didn't even scratch the surface. I got about another 145 pages to go. But if I go another hour and a half, y'all will be saying, why in the world he goes so long? Good night. He's getting like, well, anyway. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> the next Sunday, you'll be a nervous wreck thinking I'm going to be long again. Brother Charlie Cox told me something years ago. He said, Brother Donnie, you're better off to leave the people a little bit hungry than you are to overfeed them. And if I've got one major fault, I know, I overfeed anyway. Because I talk so fast and I study so much and I fill my mind and my spirit with so much stuff. If anything, I overfeed, if that's possible. And I pray to God that it don't make you to where that you become so overfed that you don't even care anymore. But I do want to feed you well. Praise God. <laughs> Think of it, children. What a time that lays before us. This is not a dream, not a figment of someone's imagination. To look at our Bible, to be able to have such a blessed book, which was written over a period of 1,600 years, penned by 40 different authors, written in different continents of the earth. Many of them never even knew each other. And yet prophecies that dovetail, some of these prophets said word for word the same prophecy without ever even knowing each other. It wasn't important that they knew each other. It's important that they knew him. Insomuch that theologians look at their words and think he must have copied his words. He must have wrote his words. They don't know God the way we know him. You know how it is. A pastor can get up and preach something. An evangelist come in and go right down the same way. And I'm sitting over there and y'all looking at me, smiling and nodding your head. Why? Because you know it's the same author. Same inspirer. There's too much land before us, friends, for it not to be true. I believe I'm looking at people here today that will not die. But will enter into this change. Praise be to God. The most important thing of your life is to be ready for that change. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, sometimes we just don't know what to say. Your word is so tremendous. Your grace is so, so great to us, Lord. I hear your prophet say, 
how great, he said, the grace of God is to the bride. Us like Abraham, we worshipped all kinds of gods, and idols, things of our own making or our parents making or our grandparents. We was looking, something crying inside of us. We didn't know what it was. But mercy, mercy found us. Lord, as we look across your promises and as Carol and I, brother and sister Lowry, standing here today, we're there in Israel together in May. And I told Carol, I just commented her several times on her trip. What is it about this land that God loves? So dry, so desolate, so barren. And yet God loved this land. His eye was on it from one, the beginning of the year to the end of the year. I told her, I said, you know, really, it's not that he's seeing it the way it is. He remembers what it was and knows what it will be. Praise God. Help us to realize it's the same way with us. We look at our mortality and how it hinders us, our humanity, how it flaws us. And every one of us are so flawed. Every one of us. There's no perfect human makeup. We're so limited in even how to pray. Limited in how to praise. And we've said the same things to you over and over and over again. I love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It seems so small to us. This is one reason we're wanting a glorified body. When our vocabulary will be able to be changed. We'll be able to praise you with the intent that our soul has wanted to for many, many years. Lord, if there's one here today that's not ready, if there's one that's sick, one that's discouraged in the journey, I pray you'd strengthen them, Father. We know that you're not just the God who comforts in the millennium, but according to St. John, you said that you would pray to the Father and he would send another comforter. The word comforter is parakletos, one that is called alongside to help. Lord God, may you comfort each of our hearts today through the trials, the tests of life that we go through. We know these things are necessary in time. Trials will not be needed in the millennium. They will have accomplished all they needed to be. For Father, we realize as your elect, we're going through millennium training right now. We are on our journey to our throne to share your dominion. So in the rapture, when we are changed, we will go straight from this Satan's Eden to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There will not be a school that we'll have to take on supplemental character, how to tame our temper, how to learn how to deal with the heathen. Now, you're fixing to go into the millennium here shortly. I've got a school and educate you all on how to deal with the heathen. We've already got that school and living here in Laodicea. We deal with them every day. So we'll go straight from this world into the body change, to the marriage supper of the Lamb, there for three and a half years, straight from there, and take over the earth and start our honeymoon. Praise God. I'm not sure exactly how it will progress. If the fullness of the kingdom from day one will be manifested itself or if you will deal with the earth under sanctification the way you deal with us under sanctification, that you take this out of our life and then take that out of our life and that out of our life. It looks more to me to be the latter, Lord, than it would be that the kingdom will grow and 
progress. The knowledge of the earth will expand over the earth, cover the earth, unlike the eighth day when it'll be instantaneous. Lord, we know it'll be wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I help them not to walk out of here today kind of with a disgruntled attitude and thinking, my goodness, I thought this was a honeymoon. Help us to realize, Lord, it is a honeymoon, a heavenly honeymoon, merged on the earth. If they're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do this, and Lord, help us to realize our limited human thinking will never be able to capture what awaits the people of God. I don't know how it'll all be, but I know it'll be perfect. It'll be beyond perfect. Beyond sublime. Never have a sad day. A weary day. Lord, you know I've walked to this pulpit and there's sermons you've laid on my heart. I've dreaded it so bad that I couldn't hardly stand it. I begged you. You're my witness. I begged you. Please, don't make me preach that. Please, I beg you, God. Because I knew the fallout could be tremendous. But never in the millennium will I ever feel that way again. If I'm sent to Egypt, if I'm sent to Babylon, wherever, I'll never have regret. I'll be carrying out the orders of my king. Praise God. Every school will be teaching the truth of the kingdom of God. Nobody will be marching around because they've got an insignia of the son of David. There'll be no leftists there saying, oh, we don't want that here. We don't want that here. There won't be none of them there. Hallelujah. Every song will be about the truth. Every lesson that's ever taught in the millennium will be about the kingdom of God. And who knows, we may even teach in about the eighth day that's coming and telling them heathen what they can have if they so desire it. Praise God. Help us each one, Lord Jesus, to be there. I pray, Father. We love you, Lord. Amen. has got a need in your life today? Your body, your home? Can we as believers just lay our hands one upon the other, if you would? Brother Dow's having pacemaker put in this Wednesday. We certainly want you to remember our brother. Others facing various things in their lives. Let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, we don't want to be so millennium-minded that we're no earthly good. So before we leave here today, we're asking you and petitioning that same comforter to minister to the needs of your people. Lord, as Brother Dow stopped me out in the parking lot, Father saying he's got this procedure taking place on Wednesday. I pray, Lord, that you'll just be with our brother. Father, you see the doctors have determined that he needs a pacemaker, Lord, to help him. I just pray, Father, the procedure will go well. May you guide the surgeon's hands, Lord. These are things that are in time that we have to deal with. You don't promise your children won't be exempt from such. They may have to put a pacemaker in, but the more the rapture of Brother Dow's alive, you'll have to take it out. And you can do it because you're God. Lord, we're grateful for these things because they help us. They help us in life. We appreciate it. Lord, I pray for not only Brother Dow, but the others that are here today. 
Maybe they've got needs in their body, needs in their home, in their marriage, on their job, financially, whatever it is. Some seeking your will about leadership in their lives. Oh, Lamb of God, in the name of Jesus, may you guide us. Lord, here we are, your little children, your little sheep down in this dark and sick world. And we're calling on Adonai. We're praying as you taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. Hasten the day, O God, that these things will not be prophecies. I wonder if we as the saints of God, as we stand on the earth and we see Micah 4, 2, Isaiah 11, 2, Zephaniah 3, 9, Jeremiah 23, 3. As we see these words being fulfilled, if it will, won't be able to contain it within us. And we'll stand up and say, this day, this scripture of Micah 4, 2 is fulfilled. They beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. This day. This scripture is fulfilled. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, mighty God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Can we just worship him now just a little bit before I let you go? I'm going to let you go here in just a few minutes. Oh, Lord Jesus. Children, don't think in your mind the millennium's going to be all work. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be praise and joy and singing, enjoying the labor of our hands. And we'll be doing these things and not getting tired, not getting weary. We'll be building our own houses. That's something for some of us brothers that can't build. We're definitely going to need to be changed, ain't we? Every wall will be plumbed or the field, every window, every door, everything in it. Whether it be plumbing, don't go that way. I don't have a clue about some of that stuff. It'll be perfect. Wonderful. Living in an eternal gated community. You're already there in your soul, my friends. You're already there in your soul. You're already gated into the gates of praise in the presence of the King. Let's sing something together, brothers. Praise God. Oh, my. I just wish we could go today myself. I don't know what plans you have scheduled. I've got a trip to Russia in 2019. I've got one to England. I've got several different things planned, if the Lord will. But all of them are subject to change. I don't know what you plan for your life of this and that and the other. And I think God wants us to do that. But be sure and keep all of your plans with a comma at the end. All your flights on planes, all your cruises on ships. Because who knows, you may get another cruise. Except it won't be on water. You'll find yourself being changed from one dimension to another. Live our lives as if though it could happen this very, very day. Let's sing together as we just worship the Lord a little bit. All the armies of the world will one day gather And they'll pass before the great revealing stand They will beat their swords and weapons into plowshares And 
peace in the valley. Peace in the valley. Peace in the valley, Brother Eric. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And just in case you're wondering, no, we aren't the only people who's looked for this. Back in the 1700s, Adam Clark, John Gill, Calvin, many of the theologians, even of those days, were trying to understand it. Arrhenius wrote about it. Paul. It's something that has been longed for since the fall of man to be on this earth. God never made me to be an angel. He made me to be a human being. Let's sing this together and we'll, we'll let you go. Praise God. Well, I'm tired and so weary. Yes, Lord. But I must oh. go along. Go along. Till the Lord comes and calls me away. Oh, yes. Well, the morning, well, the morning is bright. So bright. And the
Bye. 